haven't been here in a while. I know. <laughs> Hello again, murder lovers. My name's Mackenzie. And this is Fatina. <laughs> and you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back after so long. So it's been a month. Has it really already? It's been a month. I was Holy just talking to Mike shit. about this the other day. The last time we posted was on August 6th. Wow. So it's Don't been... call it a comeback. Yeah. We've been here for years. Part two. Yeah. Stranger Danger 2.0. 2.0. Yeah, we got some good stuff in store for you guys. We took a little break. Thank you for telling us... And asking us what the hell was up. And missing us. Yeah, totally made us feel really nice and wanting us to get back on. (laughs) Uh, Full force. So we've got some nice things in store for you guys. So keep a lookout on all the socials. We'll be posting uh, giveaways and opportunities for for you to get some really cool merch. Yeah. Some COVID stuff. I mean, it is. Yeah. Because that's what's going on. That's right. Remember when COVID started and we were just talking about being out of work for a couple weeks? Oh, my goodness. Here we are. Honestly, I think, I mean, personally, I think we both needed the break for mental health reasons. Oh, yeah. Because we went so strong throughout the entire pandemic. It's almost been a year. I know. We're almost coming up on a year. I know. And we haven't taken a day off. So. I mean, we have. But. Yeah. We haven't taken really like more than a week off at a time. So we, we, you know, and through pandemic, we muscled through it and we're like, let's keep going, keep Mm -hmm. going strong. Let's not let that stop us in recording. So we were like, whoa, we had school come back up and work get busy again and just life i fell off a hammock <laughs> i almost fell off mine the other day did you yeah and mike was like oh you're gonna fall on your back like fatina it's <laughs> like no and poised oh my goodness i took a nasty spill and i think it was like two days before we were gonna record again and i was like dude i can't even move right now <laughs> so Ow. Uh, one week break turned into two and then turned into three, but here we are. We're, we're mm. both happy. I think it's fair to say, I'll speak for both of us, we're both happy to be back. Yeah. And start doing what we like, especially coming up on spooky season. I mean, mm-hmm. pumpkin spice lattes are out already. Gosh, I'm not ready. <laughs> I fall into, I, I mean, am I am I alone in this? Because I like I get this very overwhelming sense of dread when summer comes to an end. Do like, you? Yeah, it's... It, is overwhelming for me like it feels like things are coming to an end like mm, life is starting year. yeah and but it's more than that like it feels so much more than that it's so much more powerful and I don't know what it is but it gives me like this very daunting feeling and I hate it and it's always like September is the worst month for me because really? it's such an awful transition period yeah oh man I love I hate it, it. As soon as it starts turning a little bit cold and we start having cool nights where we can leave some windows open and I'm, yeah, I love that entire season because you've got, first of all, you could kick it off with birthdays. September is a heavy birthday month for our family. Yeah. So we've got six birthdays in September and then we have two more in October, which is my birthday, the one that matters the most. And then <laughs> there's... Mine and is I, And I have an entire birthday month, so... Which also includes Halloween. Which and might then, be canceled this year. Stop it. I'm just saying. My neighborhood uh, page was just talking about like, how are we going to do trick-or-treaters this year? I was like, bitch, I'm going to kick, I'm going to, they come knocking, I'm going to give them candy. I don't think they're going to do trick-or-treaters oh, this man, year. man, it's so sad. It's so, so sad. I'm like, the kids are wearing masks anyway. The kid, the <laughs> candies are wrapped up individually anyway. So not only that, but then there's like Thanksgiving. You know I love hosting. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. Okay. I will say I love that it is my favorite holiday, and that is like yeah. I power. I'm just saying September is a hard month for me, like emotionally, yeah. just because I don't like the change in season. <laughs> but I, I fucks with some Thanksgiving, okay? Oh man, <laughs> like I love it, and I do like sweatshirt season because mm-hmm. your girl is getting a little a little COVID thick, okay? <laughs> so <laughs> I got to be able to like wear a sweatshirt, have like the expandable room. And uh, be able to put on at least an extra five pounds at Thanksgiving, so. Yeah, why not? My sweatshirts have gone from the small medium to large XL at this yeah. point, and I'm good with that. Yeah, I have a sweatshirt. I'm embracing it. 
that, I don't know if you guys have seen that Mackenzie gave me for my birthday last year. Or was it Christmas? No, it was Christmas. It was Christmas. We posted um, it, the murder lover yeah, sweatshirt. Yeah, the murder lover sweatshirt. And I'm like, I've been tempted to wear it a couple nights now, but I'm like, okay, it's still a little too warm, but I can't wait to wear it again. Oh, I love sweatshirts so much. <laughs> I like forget how you much I love them. just want to crank up the AC just so you can oh, wear it. Oh my God, I love a good sweatshirt. So I like have been bundled up in that all week long and I love that feeling, yeah. but... Yeah, I'm excited. But I don't like the transition of seasons. <laughs> I live for summer. Summer is my season. I'm a fall girl. I ride or die for summer. And Man. I'm every year when it comes to like, an I'm end, I'm Ore- like, oh. We're in Oregon, right? And I love the summers here. They're fantastic. It got a little hot this year, but I can't wait for some rainy days. Anything else fun happened in true crime news? Oh, wait. You know what has happened? Hmm. I shit you not, Fort Hood, they just found another body last week. What? Yeah. I didn't know about this. Yeah. So they're like at eight people now, including Vanessa Guillen and, you know, the other soldiers. But they're all people who they've just gone missing from, from the fort or from, you know, and they just, they find them dead. And some of them have supposedly ties to maybe something that was happening on base and some of them they're saying they're completely unrelated none the fucking less who's responsible for these people yeah and why are we not hearing more about this i know like are we so focused on things like covid and you know yeah you know there's and the only reason i know and it's not because it's any on on any of our local news outlets I only know because there's a reporter from Texas that was following the Vanessa Guillen story from the beginning Mm -hmm. that he, I think this is like his, you know, his passion right now that he's like, I'm going to do the best journalism I can on this and try to get down to the bottom of it. So I started following him and ever since, ever since then, holy moly, there's a lot going on. I cannot wait something's got to give something's going on there that's weird i can't put my finger on it i can't say anything specific i know that there's been allegations of sexual abuse going on i know especially with the females i don't know if it's in correlation with the males and their disappearances and deaths but interesting it's really really interesting Hmm. what else galene hasn't spoken yet no and she's still alive yeah so I wish she would give us, like, live feeds of her herself. I know. Right? <laughs> she wouldn't be doing anything interesting in there. No, but the fact that she would still be alive would be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so. Until one night where the camera footage magically <laughs> goes down. Oh, man. All right. Well, alrighty. So, today I'm bringing you guys another Oregon hometown because we're in Oregon so if you're not in Oregon it's not a hometown for you but it is for me so (laughs) here we are um do you want to tell you guys the top no no we're gonna be talking about Kip Kinkle today and that name might not ring very familiar for people but I'm gonna tell you what he did all right just say Kip Kip Kinkle Got it. K-I-P, like Paul. Like legal name? Birth given name? His legal given name is Kipland Kinkle. Not any better. He is Irish as hell. <laughs> Got it. He's an Irish man. Um, he was born August 30th of 1982, and he was a second child for William and Faith Kinkle. His older sister was named Kristen. His parents both worked as Spanish teachers, which is interesting to me because I'm assuming dad's also Irish. I mean, he's a redhead Irish. Like, Got he's... It. He Irish. Okay? okay. And so both parents are obviously like fluent Spanish speakers. I don't think they're native Spanish speakers, although hmm. mom had a interesting, some type of, I mean, her maiden name was something that I couldn't pronounce. So I don't know where she was from. Okay. Um, but Hey, you do you. Yeah. So she might've been, but he, I don't know that dad was. His mom worked at Springfield High School and his dad worked at Thurston High School where Kip would later attend as well. Um, and he also did classes at Lane Community College, which is in Eugene, Oregon, yeah. for those of you who are familiar or not familiar with our geography. <laughs> That's where it is. 
Both sides of the family had significant histories of mental illness, but the parents kept this under wraps, um, and they keep this under wraps even from psychologists and professionals, which doesn't seem important now, but it's going to be. I'm getting there. But they kind of lived a very um, hush-hush life when it came to family problems, although Hmm. they were there, obviously, or we wouldn't be talking about them. Right. So... All accounts indicate that the parents were loving and supportive of their children. Kristen was considered a gifted student. I think she was part of the Talented and Gifted program. Tag. Mm, Tag. Yeah. Yeah. When Kip was six, uh, his family actually went and spent his dad's sabbatical in Spain. So they were there for an extended period of time. Um, And Kip actually was enrolled in a Spanish-speaking kindergarten during that time. And he really struggled during this period over in Spain. And I don't know if it's because of the language issues or what it was, but he really struggled with school and just kind of immediately seemed to fall behind. Everybody else in the family kind of really thrived during this time, but he really struggled with it. After the sabbatical, they came back to Oregon. And Kip, at that point, was enrolled in elementary school in Waterville, which is right outside of Springfield. Oh, okay. His parents found about this time that he, according to their assessment, that they found him to be kind of immature, lacking physically and emotionally in development, which I kind of, I wonder if they found him to be immature and lacking in all these things because I'm, boys develop differently than girls. Right. And his sister was already considered talented and gifted, and she was older. I think she was, like, six uh, when he was born. Okay. So I think maybe in comparison... Right. He's seen these things, of but course. by all accounts, it sounds like he was pretty normal. A normal kid. Yeah, and maybe their assessment of him wasn't quite right. And this was a self-assessment? This is what they determined. So oh. they spoke with his teachers about him repeating first grade oh wow that's early and he did he did repeat first grade his teacher recommended this but this was also in part with his parents assessment of him and it was because of these things that his parents felt that during his second grade year they asked for him to be tested for special ed and at that point he didn't qualify for special ed in fact he tested very well but He continually was falling behind, and by third grade, when they asked again for him to be tested, at this point, he qualified. Oh, wow. Yeah. I can't believe they were, well, not forcing that on him, but maybe they saw the signs. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. He was diagnosed dyslexic by the time he was in first grade, so, like, there was... There was something there, but it seemed more like it was a spelling issue. Sure. And dyslexia commonly presents itself, especially, I think, in males with, like, spelling and letters being interchangeable and words kind of getting mixed up as you're reading and stuff. So it sounded like it was more of a reading and spelling issue because he was, you know, he qualified for special ed. He had dyslexia and everything like that. But then by fourth grade... He had also somehow managed to qualify for TAG in science and math. Oh. So he's taking special ed classes, but he's also talented and gifted in other, other areas. Like, just, like, the two don't just, it doesn't make sense to me. And right. I really do think that it was a learning disability as far as the dyslexia goes right. that wasn't being addressed properly. Hmm. His teachers also said that he showed no behavior issues. He worked really hard in school, but that he did struggle with spelling and some of those different things. But all in all, seemed to be kind of a normal kid and just kind of, like, frustrated by his, like, learning circumstances. Right. And how he was being treated, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And that his parents were probably continually, like... It sounds like they were doing it with the best intention, but at the same time, I've always kind of struggled with the idea... Maybe they were having him tested because they realized something was wrong and they genuinely wanted to get him help. But at the same time, like, why are you so persistent about labeling your kid mm-hmm. if he doesn't need that? I right. I struggle with it a little bit. And at an early age, Kip started to develop an interest in firearms and explosives. How um, early? Well, by seventh grade, him and his friends were mail ordering books about how to build bombs. Oh, shit. And then in eighth grade, he was actually caught shoplifting CDs. And during this year, he also bought a sawed-off shotgun from a friend (laughs) and hid it in his room from his parents. That's smart. Yeah. His dad wasn't a huge fan, obviously, of his interest in firearms, but eventually he ended up enrolling him in a gun safety course. And 
at 15 years old, his dad brought him a 22 caliber rifle. Raffle. Raffle. For a rifle and a 9mm Glock. And at the, 15? At 15. And the 9mm Glock was bought a couple weeks after Kip started Prozac for depression. No. Yeah. He was, at the time, uh, he had begun counseling because he was arrested for throwing rocks off of a highway overpass in Bend during a snowboarding clinic, and he was hitting cars with rocks beneath the overpass, <laughs> which is super dangerous, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Um, so he was arrested for that, and that's when he began counseling, and he started going to a psychologist, Jeffrey Hicks, during that time. And I'm calling you out by name because I have an issue with you that I'm going to take up later, oh, sir. Oh, shit. But <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Hicks found him to be in good... Felt like he was in good mental health. It was a good kid with bad habits. They had learning difficulties and some anger that he was dealing with and acting out from. And he maybe was a teenager. Yeah, and maybe struggled with depression a little bit. Right. But all in all, felt like he was okay. During his counseling or whatever, he put him on Prozac, and then Dad decided that that was the perfect time to buy his kid a gun. Yeah. The psychologist, when he found out about it, said that he did not know that a gun had been bought for him or that a gun was going to be bought for him but did think that it was a bad parenting call okay at least he had that good opinion really (laughs) in his professional opinion needless to say by this point kids weren't like a huge fan of him Hmm. he like really kind of assumes the role of like this weird strange morbid outcast kid okay um think like when was this we're coming up to 1998 Oh, so, like, a little on the tail end of the grunge era? Yes. Yeah. Trench coats are... Right, right. ...a thing. Junko, junko pants. Yeah, God. <laughs> so, yeah, these kids at school aren't a huge fan of him. Of him. He's acting out, obviously, violently. At one point, he was suspended for two days for kicking a student in the head Whoa. after the kid pushed him. And just to kind of, like, give you an idea of how the family felt about this, they felt like in therapy... They expressed to the counselor that he wasn't treated fairly in that situation, and the other boy should have been punished for pushing him. Why did he push him? It doesn't matter. Pushing is not the same as being kicked in the head. No, sure, but do we know what the conversation was? No. Okay. But, like, they were like, oh. Because if pushing was a reaction to him, you know... Yeah, I don't Pushing, know shoving too. what the verbal exchange was, yeah. but they were like, oh, that kid should have been punished because he pushed him. He started he it. And I'm like, him. your kid kicked somebody in the head. That's a concussion. Yeah, that's, that's what that is. Kids kind of developed this idea based on like these things that they were seeing mm-hmm. of him yeah um that he was like they described him as psychotic or schizophrenic which sure. they're kids they're gonna call each other stuff like that ironically enough the kids were the ones that were able to properly diagnose him and not <laughs> mr jeffrey hicks who thought that he was just depressed spoiler alert schizophrenia is gonna come back around right here. give those kids a degree when he listened to like the heavy metal music, the heavy metal rock bands like marilyn manson was high on that list which if anybody gives me the heebs like, I mean, the absolute heaps. Like, I couldn't even be in the same room, the same vicinity, like, nothing. Marilyn Manson is on, like, top of that list. I, I can barely... listen to him, too. You what? I used to listen to him, No, too. I can barely look at pictures of him. Yeah. He grosses me out more than... <laughs> I don't think any, any celebrity grosses me out as much as Marilyn Manson. I, not that I used to listen to him, but I, we used to live with the family, but this was back in the day when I was little and the older kid listened to like Marilyn Manson and like Nine Inch Nails. That's what he listened to. Limp Biscuit and uh, Rage Against the Machine. Yep. Oh man, memories. <laughs> Are they like, did they share CDs with Kip Kinkle? Because that's literally <laughs> exactly the list that he and, was listening and, to. And it's funny is that I always, you know, he was like the choker type of guy with mm-hmm. the spikes and uh, band t-shirts with those big old parachute pants. That had the chains. The chains thing, yeah. to the wallet. Oh God. I mean, he was a mild-mannered kid, super sweet, but, but that's the kind of music he listened to. So oh. I listened to the music, not by proxy but because i was there right so that's what was i I mean it's good for trivia let me tell you (laughs) (laughs) they go way back yeah they're considered timeless supposedly yeah because that was like 2000 yeah 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 it would have been around the same time Mm -hmm. 
It was also kind of during this time that he started expressing to a few friends that he wanted to join the army after graduating to find out what it was like to kill someone. No. So he kind of started expressing like these violent <sighs> tendencies and his friends were like, well, yeah, okay. The wrong yeah. reasons to tell someone that's what you want to join. Red flag, but we're teenagers and we don't really know what to do with red flags. So here we are. A recruiter would be like, here's your bus pass. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Hoorah. <Yeah. laughs> That's not army. I don't know who that is, but I think that's navy. But uh, maybe. <laughs> God, people are gonna come at us for. This. I'm not anti-military at all. Just BT dub. I'm just ignorant. <laughs> I know semper fi. I'm just ignorant. I'm like I'm not anti-military. I'm I'm just ignorant. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was funny. Okay. The infatuation with, like, bombs and everything was continuing, and during this time, his, during his, like, speech class, his public speaking class, he gave a speech about how to make a bomb. Also, who the fuck makes how to make a bomb magazines? Like, how many issues can you literally fucking possibly make on making bombs? Well, it was a book. Apparently, it was called The Anarchist Cookbook or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, there's a... Where there's a zero demand, zero, there's a supply. Do not recommend. Don't go looking for it on Amazon. No. <laughs> on Jesus Amazon. Christ. You can find it at your local bookstore. Did he get it during his Scholastic Book Fair? <laughs> no, <just kidding. laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that Where would be an engaging freaking speech. Yeah, I mean, it would, hmm. but I would also be like, I'm watching you, sir. Like, so he also got caught setting off stink bombs and lockers, which I'm not... Ugh, I'm not going to say like that's a red flag because we all did that in yeah. high school, okay? He also, um, in high school, studied Romeo and Juliet, and he really loved the story and apparently kind of like re- related to the protagonist, although I haven't seen any type of love story involved in any of all this. Kip, did you have a girlfriend? Uh, because I didn't come across any. I'm sure he had crushes on people. But she, he was like really into the 1996 film um, adaption of that, which was like featuring heavy firearms. Like he was really into it. Like the movie that came out during that time. Wasn't that the Leonardo DiCaprio version? Yeah. So he was super into that. And I only mentioned that because it will make an appearance later on again. Wow. Yeah. So his parents decided that his infatuation with Romeo and Juliet was a little strange, so they started making him take anger management classes. That's not true at all, but they did start making him take anger management. It just wasn't related to <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. I just didn't have a transition there. Um, so they started to make him take anger management classes, and they had him evaluated psychologists, but again, they're not releasing any of their family history of mental illness. So they're, so like, they're taking him to the psychologist and not giving the psychologist the, the full background? The family history, Yeah. They're That's like, not going to give you a right. good evaluation. They're like, here's my kid. Figure out what's wrong with him, but I'm not going to tell you anything. Just, like, do your best. Oh, that's not good. Even no. if you're going to the regular freaking doctor, tell him your background. Yeah. And his dad even said to, like, a friend at one point that he was actually terrified of his son and didn't know how to help him. But it was like, hello, you have the professionals. Like, maybe help them help you. Mm-hmm. But they just weren't doing it. And he was starting to show signs of paranoid schizophrenia. He later on kind of indicated that he had tried to hide his mental illness for fear of being, like, further outcasted or forced into, like, more special ed classes. That somehow they would be, people would think that they were related because he was already being treated differently. That he didn't want his mental illness symptoms to make him be treated any more differently. That he knew something was odd about it. Sorry, I'm over here making faces. But he did reportedly tell a doctor as early as 12 that he was hearing voices. And everybody was just kind of like, all right. You're fucking kidding. Like, well, it's just an imaginary friend. Yeah. Mm. Reportedly, this developed into full hallucinations and paranoid delusions um, to the point where he thought the government had put a chip in his brain. He said later on that he had three voices in his head. Voice A was violent and demanded him to, like, commit violent acts. Voice B was constantly insulting him and tearing him down and, like, like attacking, attacking uh-huh. his self-esteem. And the third one was just kind of reiterating a combination of the two. Wow. When some, not someone is committed enough, when someone has enough consciousness to, like, know the separation, that's scary. Because yeah. it's, like, it's real. Right. And that's where I almost kind of, like, 
I, well, there's there's specific voices. So are we dealing maybe like split personalities? Because usually right. split personalities have specific personalities. Uh-huh. Like if you can tell the difference in the voices. Right. And the voices and the personality. Yeah, that's interesting. So everybody's kind of like head between their knees. Like nobody knows what's going on. But he says that voice A, the violent one, is the one that told him to commit the events that took place on May 20th and May 21st of 1998. Um, Kip was still 15 years old because lots of happened during this time period. Um, but he was 15 years old and he was actually suspended from Thurston High School. Remember, this is where his dad works. Uh-huh. Um, he was suspended from Thurston High School pending an expulsion hearing because he was found in possession of a loaded firearm at school. Oh, shit. He had bought the pistol. In 98? Yeah. So pre-Columbine? A couple other school shootings had happened at this point, but Columbine had not yet. Sure, but why would you be at school with a loaded fucking gun? He had bought the stolen pistol from a friend the night before. His friend had stolen it from another friend's dad. Whoa, that passed a lot of hands. Yeah. So this this guy, dad over here, Uh has pistol. Yeah. Another kid comes in the house because he's friends with the dad's kid. Right. Steals a gun, takes it, sells it off to Kip. Got it. And Kip paid $110 for the 32 caliber pistol, and that was already loaded with a nine-round magazine. Wow. He put it in a paper bag and put it in his locker at school the next day. When his dad, not his dad... When the dad, the the gun owner, the gun owner, okay. when he discovered it was missing, he filed a police report and also provided a list of students that he thought might have stolen it. He was pretty sure that it was somebody that was associated with his kid, but it oh. wasn't his kid. So okay. he was like, listen, these are going to be the ones you want to look at. Kip was not on the list, but through questioning of people, course. police came into the school, were questioning people, and eventually... Oh, okay. They so it wasn't like brandish and they found it. They found it because it was missing and they were looking for it. Right. The dad okay. had filed a police report. Sure. So, I mean, he's on top of it. Yeah. So they start questioning these kids and eventually it leads to Kip and Kip admits right away. Um, he's like, listen, I have the gun in my locker. So like they had gone to search his person or uh-huh. whatever. And he was like, just got a locker. It's in there. Right. So... Him and his friend were both arrested, and then they were suspended pending the expulsion hearing. His friend was arrested for stealing it. He was arrested for being in possession of a firearm in a school. And, and he's... A stolen firearm. Yeah. Yeah. Dumbass. <laughs> yeah. So he was actually released uh, from custody that same day to his dad, who drove him home. So all this stuff happened in the morning... His dad had picked him up by the afternoon, booked and processed. Everything was much faster than they're living in a very small town. Doesn't take hours and hours to right. book and process like it does now. So dad had him home by the afternoon and his dad was like, listen, I'm fed up. I'm done with the behavior. Even though I bought you guns while you were on depression medication. <laughs> Sorry, it's not funny. It's just funny. <laughs> and he was like, or shape up or ship out type thing. Yeah. Like, and he did threaten him with military school and was like, you're going to go to military school if you're, if this is how you're going to act. Right. Like, get it together, boy. Yeah. I think we've all been threatened with the military school at one point of our lives. I was threatened with an all-girls school. Ooh. Yeah. Sorry, Vicky. <laughs> I have to apologize to my mom on a podcast episode, like, at least once every, every few months. Yeah. Yeah. Just, sorry for the pain I caused you. So around 3 p.m., his dad was like, I'm tired, sit down, have a cup of coffee. So he sits down at the kitchen counter with a cup of coffee. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and Kip goes into his bedroom and retrieves a 22 caliber semi-automatic no. rifle from his room and grabs the ammo from it from his parents' room because his parents were holding the ammo. And he went into the kitchen, and he shot his dad once in the back of the head. The fuck? Because he didn't want to go to military school. No. And then he dragged his body to the bathroom <gasps> and covered it with a sheet. What? Yeah. And then he just killed some time. So a lot of phone calls happened during this time. Uh, friends called him. He talked with his friends about like how he was afraid that his parents were going to freak out about him getting caught with the gun. That he was feeling sick to his stomach. Um, the stress about like... Literally just, like, the stress about finding the gun doesn't say anything about what's happened to dad. Nothing. 
At one point, someone from Lane College called because Bill had missed his class Mm because he was teaching night classes there at Lane College. And Kip answered the phone and said he wouldn't be there due to family problems. Oh, my God. No shit. Yeah, that's a problem. (laughs) Yeah, kind of like the biggest of family problems. Wow. And then his mom came home around 6.30 p.m. And Kip walked out to the garage to greet her. He told her that he loved her. And then he shot her twice (gasps) in the back of the head, three times in the face, and once in the heart. No. He then dragged her body across the garage floor, at some point gave up, and covered her with a sheet as well. Now, it might be worth noting that Kip's sister, because she is much older, she's in Uh college at this point. She's living in Hawaii. So it's just Kip and his parents at the house. So he covers them with a sheet, and then he goes to bed. And then he wakes up the next day and turns on what's it's called Lebestad, I believe. Lebestad. Um, It's the dramatic opera song that is in the 1996 movie of Romeo and Juliet. Okay. It's a very dramatic, moody tune, if you will. Sure. And he plays it on repeat. It's just playing continuously over and over and over and over. And then he loads up his mom's Ford Explorer and leaves a note that police will later find. And on the note, it says, I just got two felonies on my records. My parents can't take that. It would destroy them. The embarrassment would be too much for them. They couldn't live with themselves. (laughs) So the note indicates kind of like that he... He did it to oh. spare them, like, the embarrassment oh, okay. and the pain of, so like, his felonies. So he didn't try felonies. to make it, like, suicide for them. No, no, okay, no. His, okay. The note says, basically, like, I did what I did because I have two felonies on my record. My parents would be so embarrassed. Like, they're not going to be able to handle this, blah, blah, blah. So I shot them to put them out of their misery so they wouldn't have to deal with their disappointment of me. Oh, my God. But then the note also says, my head just doesn't work right. God damn these voices inside my head. I have to kill people. I don't know why. I have no other choice. So he goes from, like... Talking about how his parents would be so disappointed in him. He had to spare them the embarrassment. He had to spare them the misery or whatever. But I also just need to kill people. I don't know what's going on. I just need to kill people. So, like... There's a struggle. And... There's a little bit of a... Yeah. Maybe a little schizophrenic episode Uh happening right now. Wow. So, he takes his mom's Ford Explorer to his high school and parks two blocks away. Remember, he is suspended. So, he's not supposed to be on school property. Oh, God. And underneath the trench coat, he has five oh, weapons. God. Trench coats are always a bad sign. <laughs> I, it's always a bad... Tell me the kid in high school that wore a trench coat that tell was a cool kid. Tell me the time that it was a good time or a good sign. Tell me. We'll... Tell me. Tell me one kid in high school that wore a trench coat that you thought, yeah, that's not going to end That badly. kid's on the up and up. Yeah. I know which one it was for me. My friend Amy is about to text me. She's going <laughs> to listen to this and she's going to text me. She knows exactly what I'm talking about. So, underneath the trench coat, he had five weapons, two hunting knives, a rifle, a Glock pistol, and a Ruger pistol, and then he also had 1,127 rounds of ammo. Holy fuck! He walked to campus from where he parked, and he entered through the patio area and began by firing two shots. (gasps) Oh, he actually went to shoot? Mm -hmm. Like, he actually... What? Oh, yeah. So, Kip Kinkle is known as the um, person behind the Thurston High School school shooting. Oh. So, that's where this story's going because I I left it out at the beginning because I wanted you all to be surprised. Hello. So, he killed his two parents and now a school shooting is going to ensue. Holy fuck. So, he... No, next day? So, he killed his parents on the 20th. The next morning. Got it. He goes to school. Oh, God. So he opens fire as he enters the patio area, shoots two shots, and he kills a student named Ben Walker and wounds another one named oh, Ryan Atterbury. No. He then proceeds through the cafeteria, and as he's walking through the cafeteria, he begins firing his rifle, and he fires off the remaining 48 rounds in his rifle Whoa. and wounds 24 students. And he also shoots a student named Mikhail or Mikhail Nicholson. And in total, he fires 50 rounds, shoots 37 students, and Mikhail later dies at the hospital after being put on life support. So two two end up dead. Wow. He then runs out of ammo and he goes to reload the gun, but a wounded student whose name is Jacob Riker sees this as his opportunity and he tackles Kinkle. Good for him. Several other students join in this 
and in total seven students end up like restraining Fuck. him. He fires off another round at this point as he's getting tackled. He hits Riker, who's the original student that tackled him, and injures another student. But Jacob Riker survives. Good. And he yelled at the kids as he was being tackled just to kill him. But the seven kids ended up restraining him until police arrived. The first police officer was on site within one minute from the first shot being fired. Oh, shit. But they so did... all that happened really quickly. Yeah. So all in total, the whole event took nine minutes. Whoa. From the time he shot the first shot to the time the kids had him on the ground. Nine minutes. That must have been a long nine minutes for mm. them, though. Oh, I'm sure it was. Wow. So he was, at that point, the police took him into custody when he was at the police station, he somehow managed to get the knife that he had around his leg out. Huh. They hadn't taken it from him. What? And he attacked a police officer with this. Um, and he w- was begging them to shoot him, but he they were able to subdue him with just pepper spray or mace. Okay. Yeah, the idea, I think he, at one point, they said that he had a bullet that was duct taped to his chest. So if he ran out of ammunition, he'd have a bullet to, like, Take himself One out. for himself. And I think it was going to kind of be the oh. same idea as Columbine where they were, he was going to go and shoot all these kids and then shoot himself. Or he was hoping a police officer would shoot him, but the kids took him down too early. Right. So that's why he was like, kill me, kill me. And the kids are like, nah, dude, we're just going to sit on top of you. And Dog then pile. he attacked the police officer expecting them to shoot him right. to get him to drop the gun. But they were able to just get away with doing like the whole pepper spray thing. Right. Back at the school, like I said, two students had died. The student who had taken out Kinkle, he had a perforated lung, but he actually ended up making a full recovery. He received the Boy Scouts Honor Medal for his heroism. Fuck, he should get something more than that. I know. He must have been a Boy Scout would be my guess. Oh, I see. Yeah. um, But yeah, I mean, hello. Isn't there like some type of city award or something like that? Once in custody, he was sat down for questioning and one of the officers happened to know his, his parents. So he was read his Miranda rights and then the officer was like, how's your dad doing? Oh, to Cause, Kip? Yeah, because <gasps> remember, nobody knows about his parents oh, yet. that's right. So he sits Kip down and says, how's your dad doing? And that's where Kip says both of his parents are dead. Oh, shit. He, killed he just both admits of them. to it. Yep, just admits to it. Killed him. And wow. so the police are like, okay, we probably need to go over there. So... They go over to the house at, like, 9.30 in the morning. This is all happening very early. And they look through the glass doors, and they can see a bunch of bullets across the living room floor. So they enter the house, and they find both parents have died. But they also begin to kind of, like, search the house, and they find several makeshift bombs throughout the house. Oh, shit. So they end up having to evacuate the neighbors um, before detonating those bombs and... Clearing everything out. But yeah, he had a bunch of homemade bombs sitting in the house. Fuck. Yeah, I'm like, dude. Like just sitting around like booby traps. Hidden hidden in the house. I don't know if his plan was like I'm fuck with the cops when they got there. I don't know. I don't think so. I think he was going to I think that that was his plan to maybe just destroy a thing for the shit fucking sake of it. I think he probably had those in the house before he killed his parents. Because it's not like he killed his parents and then made a bunch of bombs. Like, that would have taken time and effort and everything like that. Okay. So, Kip pleads guilty to murder and attempted murder by reason of insanity. His own psychologist, the one that I had a bone to pick with, Mm. he testified during his sentencing that he was in good mental health when he was treating him and he only suffered from depression and that he was responding so well to treatment that he was showing no symptoms of depression. Somebody needs to have their license revoked. Oh, my God. Sorry. That silence is going to be in there because that's how I feel. That's how I'm I looking mean, at you. Like, long pause. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <sighs> Kip took a plea deal um, and he was sentenced to 111 years in prison without the possibility of parole. Now, remember, this is Measure 11. I don't know what that is. Um, so in Oregon, back during this time, Measure 11 was processed. So any child over the age of 15, I think, that commits a violent crime has Uh to be charged as an adult oh okay so he was charged as an adult under measure 11 and the plea deal is 25 years for the murders but then they each no all together but they tack on an extra 40 months for every attempted murder so every student that was shot which is how we end up at 111 okay okay so it's without the possibility of parole 
Um, he did issue an apology in court for killing his parents and for his shooting spree. But um, on June, in June of 2007, Kip, at that point, he had just been transferred from the McLaren Youth Correctional Facility in Woodburn, um, where he earned his GED, okay. over to Oregon State Correctional. So he's 25 at this point, which you can't, or he's about to turn 25. You can't be in a youth facility past the age of 25, so they transferred him over to Oregon State. Mm. And at this point, he files an appeal stating that his attorneys should have taken the case to trial and use the insanity defense. So they should have entered a plea of not guilty based on insanity um, instead of like Who doing the plea deal. Who Kip. Because this oh. is part of his appeal. Okay. He says they should have said they should have taken it to trial and said not guilty by reason of insanity instead of guilty by reason of insanity and taking a plea deal. Ah. Two psychiatrists testified that he showed symptoms of paranoid schizophrenia at the time of the shooting, but a judge denied him a new trial. He appealed again. One of the things that he cited, again, was ineffective counsel. His motion was denied by the Oregon Court of Appeals. He also filed an appeal on a federal level stating that his guilty plea should not have been accepted without a full mental health evaluation, which... I kind of agree. They're like valid. If, if you have like mental health is being cited in your whole case or whatever, then you need a full you evaluation. You need to be evaluated. Yeah. Not this little doctor. Yeah, because like... we don't just throw people in, that are mentally ill in prison and expect them to get better. And usually it's more than one person that has that would testify on your mental capacities, yeah. right? Although both of his parents that could testify are dead. Oh. I mean, we have sister or whatever, yeah, right. but but his own psychologist is like, nah, he's fine. He's just He's fine. I knew he had a gun. He's fine. (laughs) He was on Prozac, but it's okay. He filed another appeal at the state level regarding what he considered to be a virtual life sentence, that his plea deal was supposed to be for 25 years, but with the 40 months added that it became a life sentence with the 111 years and disputed this based on the Measure 11 being, it was being revised as far as like them underage kids not Got being it. subjected to life sentences and he's like mine's basically a life sentence um uh, but the revisions to measure 11 don't apply to anybody that was charged and convicted prior to the revision which is oh. actually still underway at this point so he won't qualify for that okay um he is still currently incarcerated at the Oregon State Correctional Institution in Salem and he According to some fellow inmates, mm-hmm. um, he gets a ton of fan mail. Really? Uh, he gets the... They said that... just be cray, man. They said that he gets the most mail of any other inmate there. What? All Females. women. Yeah. That are sending... Okay. And they're like, oh, Kip, I crazy. love you. No. Uh... Yeah. So he gets tons of mail every single day. Um, oh, my goodness. He also is like... He's a big time brawler. So when the new kids come in and they're being initiated into their like oh their God. little chosen gangs or whatever. Yeah. They're like one of the things that they're often tasked with is like go beat the shit out of Kip Kinkle. But Kip Kinkle knows how to throw down. Oh, like that's their challenge. That's their initiation. Because oh. the leaders of these little organized oh gangs or whatever God. know that these little kids are gonna get the hell beat out of them. Yeah, but they'll prove themselves or whatever. But Kip knows how to throw down, apparently. He's quite the... And if you look at him now, apparently when he came into the correctional facility, he was like a really skinny, still like 25-year-olds. He's not skinny no No, Oh, yeah. He's a big dude. Mm. Um, And he um, he apparently, like, he, he knows how to throw down. And he's... One of the most fought guys at Oregon State to the point where, like, he was like, I've had it. And he used to work at the their greenhouse on the facility. Uh-huh. Okay. He took a lawnmower blade. No. Taped it to his arm. Oh, shit. Went out into the yard shit. and said, anybody wants to fight me, this is your chance. With a blade taped to his arm. There was a full standoff. Guns pointed at him. There's some theories that maybe he was doing it on purpose. So, again, like, the police would kill him. Or the oh. correctional officers would kill him. But nobody was dumb enough, first of all, to fight him. Like, everybody knows he's going to win. Right. But we're really not going to fight him when he has a blade attached no. to his arm. 
So everybody's like, no, we're cool. And the whole thing ended with, like, no no real scuffle. Because he's like, I'm already in the gang. Why would, I, why would I fight you again? Right. I'm initiated. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, and he, uh, yeah, people haven't really, like, I guess they don't really step up to him quite as much anymore. Um, just because he was, like, at his breaking point with it. Mm. He doesn't really, he doesn't run with a gang himself. He runs with kind of like the misfits. Like he, because he's so targeted, like he hangs out with the other targeted people. So that's sex Uh offenders, rapists, that kind of thing. Because he doesn't have anybody else that he can belong to. Apparently his prison ID gets stolen quite often and gets sold for hundreds of dollars. By the guards? No, by other inmates. How do they sell it? They send it out to their people or whatever. They send it out in the mail or their visitors or however they sneak it out and then they sell it. And it will go for hundreds of dollars on like eBay or whatever like that. Hundreds of dollars? Yeah. It happens all the time apparently. I need to see if there's like one on If there's one. (laughs) If you buy that, I will slap you. I would not buy it. (laughs) Carol would slap me. Um... His sister apparently comes to visit him quite often, but so do a lot of his little fangirls. So wow. he's just got, like, a rotation of females in and out of there. His sister did an interview at one point about the events that happened and her insight. Like I said, she does visit him pretty often. And she said that she actually found out about the events through a series of phone calls that her friends made to her. Oh, shit. Because she hadn't turned on the news yet, had no idea what was happening, and they called her and told her what was going on. And obviously, oh, that's awful. Yeah, like her friend called her and was like, "Hey, have you heard what's going on?" And she was like, "No." And he was like, "Okay, I got to check on something. I'll call you back." So then she called her parents' house, and nobody answered. And she said there was a really long beep on the answering machine. And she goes, "That's weird. A lot of people must be leaving you messages right now. Like your inbox is full or something to like that." To the parents. Yeah, and then she's like, "Somebody said something was wrong. I just want to check and make sure everything's all right with you. Call me back." Friends call again. It's like, have you heard what's going on? And she's like, no. And they're like, there was a shooting at Thurston. She's like, oh my gosh, is Kip my okay? Brother, my p- and they're oh like, actually, God. he was involved. And then, so she's finding out her her brother's involved in the shooting. Through and then, telephone. But then it's like, oh, your parents. And she's like, what? Oh, so goodness. then she has to call the police station who then has to verify her identity and all this stuff. And then that's like, it takes her hours to find out that right. everything that's happened. So, um, yeah, that's the, uh, that's the story of Kip Kinkle and the Thurston high school shooting and a little inside information into his life now at Oregon state. Wow. Correctional. Um, yeah. And, I uh, I had no idea about this this person until I got a little little inside info. Um, but yeah, he, I mean, had he not been tackled and everything like that, he might have been like one of the, he might have been one of the first Columbines. He was sure loaded up for it. Columbine obviously came the following year and right. made waves because it was the deadliest school shooting at the time. Uh-huh. And, and wow, but. So I googled him to see a picture, um, and I think you were talking about whether or not that chapter eleven thing was, you know. Yeah, and they said he not. wasn't going to qualify for it. Right. So it says that ugh, I think early last year, I'm sorry, um, May twenty first of this year. Oh, so on the anniversary they concluded that it was a constitutional and it will it will stand. His sentence. Yeah. 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 Do you see? Did you see him when he was a kid? Yeah. Yeah. That mushroom haircut. Yeah. All right, guys. So to clear your mind, give you a little brain vacation at the end of these awesome yet sometimes gory stories, we're gonna start a new ending where we tell you new segment, if you will, a new segment called "What the Florida," <laughs> or for short, WTF. WTF. Just because. Florida, just the hot spot for fucking crazy. If you live in Florida, I'm sorry, but it's true. <laughs> There's websites dedicated to your crazy. So, Kenzie's going to kick us off with the inaugural Does WTF story? story. We won't go into full details. Sometimes they're just funny one or two sentences of what happened in Florida. 
But I, I just think it's funny to have that little brain vacation after all this. Okay, so in today's WTF, this one is Florida couple built drive through window at mobile home to sell drugs. <laughs> a Florida couple was arrested last week after they were caught allegedly selling drugs out of a drive through window they constructed <laughs> on the side of their mobile house. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Uh, they were arrested and their investigators raided their mobile home after there were four drug overdoses in the area. Oh, they had shit. turned their kitchen window into a drive through <laughs> so customers would not have to constantly enter and exit their home. Apparently, they didn't want the unwanted attention of it. <laughs> that's actually kind of genius. Do you want to supersize that? Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> So they turned their kitchen window into a drive-thru. That's fantastic. And that's what was happening in Florida. (laughs) Oh my god. I'm such a fan of this segment. I love it. (laughs) Alright, you guys. If you have stories, if you have WTFs for us and you're from Florida or know a good Florida story, if you want to send us listener stories, if you want to talk to us at all, tell us how happy you are that we're back. Then you can go over to our Instagram, and that is at a stranger danger podcast, and shoot us a comment or something over there. Um, stories and that kind of stuff should go to the Gmail, and that's a stranger danger podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook using stranger danger colon a true crime podcast, and you can join the group, which is stranger danger colon murder lovers. You can also go on Twitter using the handle at SD True Crime Pod. That's right. And if you're on the fence about joining the Facebook group, I'm just going to throw it out there that um, Abby from Australia, Holla Girl, hey. she emailed us the other day and among many other things, which at some point I will read her whole email because she did send over a suggestion. So when I do this, her suggestion or we, we do it, I will include the email. But she did say she recently joined the Facebook group and said, I'm obviously living for all the extra content for all the hard work you do. And I was like, that's Fatina. That is all Fatina. <laughs> So uh, apparently it is worth joining if you like Thanks, the extra content. Girl. Not that I didn't know that, but yeah. Um, listen to Abby and go over there and uh, join the group. And be on the lookout for social media. Like I said, we're going to be putting out some exciting stuff and opportunities to get some items with uh, our faces on it. Literally. So for your face. <laughs> From our face to your face. From our face to your face. We love your face. (laughs) All right. Bye, guys. Bye.